He walked unsteadily, grinning all the time as he continued around the counter. Go back, Robert told him. I mean, the last time now. Go back. Bear continued. Rope moved quickly toward the cash register where he withdrew a revolver and started shooting. Soon there was shooting from another direction. When it was quiet again, Bear, Rope, and Brother were all down on the floor, and only Jefferson was standing. He wanted to run, but he couldn't run. He couldn't even think. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know how he had gotten there. He couldn't remember ever getting into the car. He couldn't remember a thing he had done all day. He heard a voice calling. He thought the voice was coming from the liquor shelves. Then he realized that old Grope was not dead and that it was he who was calling. He made himself go to the end of the counter. He had to look across there to see the storekeeper. Both lay between the counter and shelves of alcohol. Several bottles had been broken and Alcohol and blood covered their bodies as well as the floor. He stood there gaping at the old man, slumped against the bottom shelf of gallons and half-gallons of wine. He didn't know whether he should go to him or whether he should run out of there. The old man continued to call. Boy. 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 Jefferson became frightened. The old man was still alive. He had seen him. He would tell on him. Now he started babbling. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, Mr. Grope. It was Brother and Daya. Brother shot you. It wasn't me. They made me come with them. You got to tell the law that, Mr. Grope. You hear me, Mr. Grope? But he was talking to a dead man. Still, he did not run. He didn't know what to do. Again, he couldn't remember how he had gotten there. He didn't know whether he had come there with Brother and Bear or whether he had walked in and seen all this after it happened. He looked from one dead body to the other. He didn't know whether he should call someone on the telephone or run. He had never dialed a telephone in his life, but he had seen other people use them. He didn't know what to do. He was standing by the liquor shelf. And suddenly he realized he needed a drink and needed it badly. He snatched the bottle off the shelf, wrung off the cap, and turned up the bottle all in one continuous motion. The whiskey burned him like fire. His chest, his belly, even his nostrils. His eyes watered. He shook his head to clear his mind. Now he began to realize where he was. Now he knew he had to get out of there. He turned. He saw the money in the cash register under the little wire clamps. He knew taking money was wrong. His nan-nan had told him never to steal. He didn't want to steal, but he didn't have a solitary dime in his pocket. And nobody was around, so who could say he stole it? Surely not one of the dead men. He was halfway across the room, the money stuffed inside his jacket pocket, the half-bottle of whiskey clutched in his hand when two white men walked into the store. That was his story. The prosecutor's story was different. The prosecutor argued that Jefferson and the other two had gone there with the full intention of robbing the old man and then killing him so that he could not identify them. When the old man and the other two robbers were all dead, this one, it proved the kind of animal he really was, stuffed the money into his pockets and celebrated the event by drinking over the still-bleeding bodies. 
The defense argued that Jefferson was innocent of all charges except being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Gentlemen of the jury, do you see a man sitting here? I ask you, I implore you, look carefully. Do you see a man sitting here? Look at the shape of his skull. This face as flat as the palm of my hand. Look deeply into those eyes. Do you see a modicum of intelligence? Do you see anyone here who could plan a murder, a robbery, can plan, can plan, can plan anything? A cornered animal to strike quickly out of fear, a trait inherited from his ancestors in the deepest jungle of blackest Africa. Yes, yes, that he can do. But to plan? No, gentlemen, this skull here holds no plans. What you see here is a thing that acts on command, a thing to hold the handle of a plow, a thing to load your bales of cotton, a thing to dig your ditches, to chop your wood, to pull your corn. Gentlemen of the jury, be merciful, for God's sake, be merciful. He is innocent of all charges brought against him. But let us say he was not. Let us for one moment say he was not. What justice would there be to take this life? Justice, gentlemen? Why, I would just as soon put a hog in the electric chair as this. The jury retired and returned a verdict after lunch. Guilty of robbery and murder in the first degree. The judge commended the